Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Wells Branch Community Church. I'm so glad that all of you are here, and if you're brand new, I'm especially excited to have you here, and one of the things we love to do for new people uh, is call you out, make you stand up, tell you where you're from. I'm just kidding. Oh, oh you, some people are like, oh, man. All right. Um, one of the things we do love to do is uh, we have a, what's called Pastor Plex Podcast. I'm Pastor Plex. Yeah, think, yeah. And we have, we have reached, we have hundreds of downloads a week now. Hundreds. I can, it was literally 200. So we can now say hundreds. Uh, so that's very exciting. So if you have any questions, go ahead and text us. And we would love to get, uh, talk about everything about faith, culture, and everything in between. You can't offend me. I promise, Brian. Just go ahead and ask anything you want. All right. Would love, love to talk to you guys about anything you have on your heart. Okay. Now we are in a series called Imago Day, And, um, it's really kind of perfect. We're uh, celebrating Martin Luther King weekend this weekend, and so this is a, a perfect time uh, to be talking about the Imago Dei, that we are made in the image of God. And so one of the things that we wanted really kind of in review, what we talked about our first week was that God made us with inherent value as imagers of God. Like, you have value. And I don't know the way you were raised or what you were told but God took pleasure in making you, and you are wonderfully handcrafted by our God. And then we talked about how God made us with purpose to take his image, and just like, and the only way that I really help people understand is the way that maybe a gang would tag a part of their territory is the way that God put people on the earth to tag the earth to say, what's up, I rule around here. And so, in fact, uh, we are to be fruitful and to multiply it so that God could show his uh, territory all over the earth and as his images, that was our purpose, uh, and to rule in proxy for God. But what we found, as we've talked about each, t- each week, is that something went amiss, and that something that went amiss is what we're going to talk about uh, this morning. And if, if you're wondering why, why are we talking, why is making such a big deal about the Imago Dei? Um, a theology of anthropology or the theo- uh, an under, a God understanding of the study and understanding of man, his condition, the darkness of heart, and how one can be saved is unbelievably important and it affects more than you think that it does. It affects the way you relate to one another and the way that re- people relate to you. And so that's why I've, we've been taking five weeks to kind of really wrap our head around an understanding of the God's greatest creation. Okay, so here we go. Um, I want to go take a take. As we're, so today we're going to talk about rebellion. One of the things that really uh, reminded me of this kind of like just the reality that we face. When I was uh, I just graduated from West Point, and my West Point roommate, he and I uh, had. Uh, branched armor. We were arm, tank people, you know, blowing up things with big guns. And uh, we went to Fort Knox together, and we were pulling into, um, and he, he was a New Yorker, so just put that in your, your mindset. And we, as we, we pulled into um, the officer basic training. So we, we graduated from West Point, which is like, you know, like, isn't that officer basic training? Sort of, but it's armor officer basic training. So you have to kind of like go and do, learn more basic things about tanks. So we pull in into the parking lot, and uh, you know how sometimes you pull into a parking lot space, it's probably too tight, and you probably shouldn't have done that, and you're probably going to ding somebody's door, 
and then you kind of, you wanted to like do the squeezing thing out, or maybe you get out through the window, like Deuce of Hazard style. Well, he didn't do that. <laughs> he just rolled in, boom, and he just drilled the car next to us. And the guy whose car it was, was like right there. And he goes, dude, what did you do? He's like, hey, it happens. We're in a parking lot. And we moved in. I was like, bro, bro really? wow, really? He's like, it happens. All right, get over it. That's what happens in parking lots. And I think what, and it kind of his reality was, nobody's perfect, right? You are in this world where you're going to probably going to get dinged by somebody, okay? So get used to it. And I was like, bro. All right, so I feel like we've all experienced that. Can I get an amen if you've experienced that? It may not be that someone drilled your car that rudely, but they may have drilled you emotionally. Like, they were just rude, they, they took something, they, they said they're going to pay you back, I got you, and that never happened. You guys know what I'm talking about. And so, and so what I want to kind of wrap our head around is that we, re, we have this kind of inside us, I would say that you would say, yeah, Chris, we, we all rebel, and the reason why that is, because, well, nobody's perfect, right? You, you're down with that, you, you would say that, but the reality is, when we talk about rebelling against God, you would also say, I'm not that bad. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Chris, Chris, I know some people, and if you were to put me up against, against them, I would look like a saint. So don't tell me that I, I mean, listen, I appreciate that, that there, are, there, there are people that are bad, they ding cars, and they don't care, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not that level bad. Um, and maybe this is where you're like, yeah, granted, I've gotten upset at my spouse, or I've gotten upset at my kids. And, and this, this is the excuse that we always use, right? We, we've used this. If they only knew my heart. In, in this, we judge other people by their actions, and we judge ourselves by our intentions, right? <laughs> we look at other people, we see what they do, and we go, <laughs> And then when we do the same thing, we can justify it because God knows our heart. All right. And people are like, okay, no, that's too personal. All right. Or finally, if, if it's true that we've rebelled against God, it feels hopeless. Like, I mean, Chris, that's a lot of wrath, and we're all screwed. Like, this is, this is not going to look good for us if it's true that we are in rebellion against God. And as I said last week, it's a declaration of war uh, when you mar or when you hurt or when you harm on one of God's images, a.k.a. people, that, that is a declaration of war. That's a turf war. And so God's not happy about that. And so that all of a sudden it feels like, whoa, I'm gone too far. I'm too... Listen, if you were to know the people that I've hurt, the, pe- the things that I've done, the, the wreckage of my life, you would say to me, if it's true, if it's true, well, I'll go there with you for a second, that there is no hope for me. Because not only have the things I've done been terrible, I didn't even mind doing them. I was worse than the guy in the parking lot dinging doors. Oh, man. And so I want to, and when I tell people about Jesus and what he's done for usually what happens, they, they say it's too easy, because if you really understand the depth of darkness that I've been in, there's no way God could just easily let that go. So we're going to talk about that in about a part of our rebellion. All right, so we're going to be in Genesis 3 this morning. So we're going to jump around to Romans as well. So if you want to prepare your Bibles. Uh, we're going to be in Genesis 3 and then uh, over to Romans uh, 3. So that's where we're going to go. So would you guys mind praying with me and asking God to open up our hearts uh, to hear from him? 
of what he's going to teach us this morning about his very character, his very nature, and about who we are in our character and our nature in this thing of rebellion that we're trying to overcome. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that as we open up uh, the story of where it all went wrong and how it continues to kind of go wrong for us, that Jesus, you would um, allow, give us the gift of humility to see all the greatness of grace that you are, that you love us in spite of us, <clears throat> and even though we're really, really broken, um, really, really dark, you're really, really good. We love you, Jesus. We're asking you do even more than we ever hope for or ask. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, all right, Genesis chapter 3. It's toward the very beginning of your Bible. All right, Genesis 3, verse 1. Now, look at this. Here we go. Now, the serpent, now, a.k.a. Satan here, right? Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, so if you're just real quick, Ends with chapter 2, they were naked and unashamed. It was good living in the garden for Adam and Eve. And then I don't know how long between chapter 2 and chapter 3 when the serpent comes around. Could have been 5 minutes, could have been 500 years. I don't know, but it didn't feel like it took long. All right? And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And this has been Satan's... Um, M.O. from the get-go. You with me? Satan always wants to challenge you of what did God actually say? Did God actually say a man is supposed to be with a woman? Did he actually say that? Did God actually say that you should not murder babies in the womb? Did he actually say that? That's the part where we get... We're going to get messed up here because we're going to go, whoa, 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 don't. <laughs> Chris, why do we have to take this political? I mean, no, no. The reality is, did God actually say? And, and what, what happens is we struggle with this. And, and don't tell me when you were dating, you didn't try and find the line of what God actually said. That's only for Christians. Everyone else just says whatever. All right, anyway. Verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not neither eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. This is AKA is legalism. Do you guys know that? When you add to God's word, because God didn't say that, and maybe got passed down to Eve that way, right? Maybe. So what God said to Adam, You shall not eat of the tree in the middle of the of the garden of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. On the day you shall eat, you shall surely die. Neither shall you touch it. This was not in there. And so what happens is, we start to add things, and then all of a sudden we cross lines, and all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute, nothing happened. I didn't actually die when I touched it. All right, keep, keep hanging with me. But the serpent said to the woman, and here's the lie, you will not surely die. <laughs> And here's, here's the lie and then the motive. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You can be like God. Isn't 
that always been the culture, Satan, whatever. You can have power. You can have more knowledge than everybody else. I mean, that's how you sell stuff. You're going to have more. You're going to be better. And you're going to be like God. And God's going to be upset because he's not going to be better than you anymore. Everybody wants to be equal to God. And that is what not what images of God were meant to do. Images of God were supposed to represent God as his proxy on earth, not to rival him in heaven. So go out, watch this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took it, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband, which was sort of funny, who was with her and he ate. But watch this. So she, what did she, when she understood, saw, that the tree was good for food, okay, you know, it's healthy, <laughs> and it was a delight to the eyes, I want to see it, I want it, and the desire to make one wise, make me like God, she went all for it. And this is the part where Adam was the one who got the direct verbal command from God, and he's hanging out with her the whole time. I don't want to go into a whole thing about men going passive, but this, that's, this is the sermon that is for another time. Men don't be passive. Take, uh, uh, take leadership in your family. Assert yourself. When you see your wife going down the wrong path, say something. It's going to probably be a fight. Of course it is. But that's what, that's what men do. They lead well. All right? Do it. This was the part where we sort of broke it down. Now, watch this. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. All right, this is where they were exposed. Their, their sin had been exposed. All of a sudden, they, they had knowledge. They could see, like, whoa, naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So they became instant seamstresses. But, well, the thing I wanted you to see with this, more than anything, and this really hit me um, last night, is this. It's perfect people rebelled against God. Now watch this. Watch this. Now, I don't know if you have kids. If you don't have kids, this may not make total sense. But if you do have kids, this makes a lot of sense. Because at some point, I sit there and I go, why? I told you the thing about a hundred times, and then you freak out, build a fort in a closet, and then start screaming like a banshee. Like, I don't know what, like, why can't you use the tent that we set up in your room? Because that was a really perfect place, and you took everything out of the closet, made, like, this thing that's going to probably fall on the baby, and now you are wanting to create your own little Jenga tower, okay, of tables. And I think what happens is, when I look at that, I get so frustrated, but then, and, and this is like, if there's a, that's what we're talking, have this message while the youth are all gone, so that nobody hears this. But the reality is, because I'm not perfect, right? But the reality is, when I get so frustrated, even perfect people who had God walking with them in the cool of the night still screwed this up. So I, th there's a part of this that this isn't like a, um, there, let's absolve all people of all personal responsibility. But at the same time, I think we need to understand that we're even perfect people, per literally perfect, had never sinned ever, were created for perfection, were created to be God's image, I mean, hand formed from the dust from God, either God messed up or that's what happens when there's free will. Is that fair? And so I feel like we can get so angry. 
or maybe this is just me. We can get so angry at people who already aren't perfect, who are wounding, hurting us and themselves and everyone around us, and then we can get angry at them for not being perfect. It, it, okay, now that's one side of it. Now, the second side of it, you ready for this? Is that perfect people rebelled against God, so of course you're going to rebel against God. Of course you are. Of course you're going to treat the one you love the most the worst. Of course you are. So how do you, you've got to really wrap your head around this. So that means you've got to be have the, on your lips and on your heart has got to be a quick to apologize because even perfect people rebelled against God. So therefore, you are going to rebel against God. And the Bible also says, 1 John 1, 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if you're like, I'm good, that means you're self-deceived, which we love you, but just not self-aware. So I feel like this is the part of where I, where I want you to kind of wrap your head around. Now, what's so great about God, though, here's the thing about God. God is going to take care of those who rebelled against him. Isn't that cool? Like they're naked, he covers their nakedness. Death comes on, on, on their sin, and, and God kills some animal, covers them with their skins. <clears throat> there is no forgiveness of sin. There is no covering of the nakedness without shedding of blood, and that happens in Genesis 3. And so the, the problem comes, you're like, well, that's not me. I, listen, why are we going back to Adam and Eve? I don't even know if I want to go with it at that story. I, I am not that bad. And I think this is the part where I want us to go to Romans 3, and I want us to talk about here's a, an understanding of man that I think is a healthy thing for us to have. And it's, the thing, and it's not just that Adam and Eve sin, and we have inherited sin because we are children of Adam and Eve. But it's, it's worse than that. Watch this. Here's Romans 3. Here's Paul writing um, to Christians, and really it's a doctrinal treatise to all people. And he's saying, watch this. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. Who's righteous? Nobody. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside Together they have become worthless, to you like, man, that's a little bit harsh. No one does good, not even one. Okay, and the, he's just quoting the Old Testament. Yeah, to which you're like, Chris, I don't know if that's true. I mean, I know some pretty good people that, that you know, I mean, they may not be perfect. I just, whenever people tell me that, I go like, how many times do you have to murder somebody to be considered a murderer? How many times do you have to steal to be considered a thief? How many times do you have to lie to be a liar? Okay, keep going. Keep going. It's too uncomfortable. All right. Their throat is an open grave. Bam. He's coming back from uh, Psalm 5.9. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of ass is under their lips. Psalm 140, verse 3. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not 
known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now watch this. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, meaning those who are like the Jewish people, so that every mouth may be stopped. In other words, the whole world may be held accountable to God because even the people who are under the law couldn't fulfill the law. So if those who are under the law and knew the law couldn't fulfill it, how much more the rest of the world is condemned because they can't even obey their own conscience is kind of where we're going with that. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. What's the purpose of the law? When I, when I say law, I'm just talking about Ten Commandments, Moses, all that. It's to show, show people that even when you have God doing crazy miracles, you know, like parting the Red Sea, two million people walk through, Pharaoh's army pff, destroyed, when you've got manna supplying everybody in the wilderness for 40 years, when the Jordan River gets stopped, even during that time, people are like, nah, I don't really know. I mean, God, what else you got? I mean, the reality is everybody wants proof. I just, if you could show me something, then I would believe. No, you wouldn't. How do I know? Adam and Eve literally just talked to God like, Ten minutes before, here comes a serpent with something new and shiny, and you're like, all right, let's do that. Okay. So here's, here's, here's my point here, and this is, might be a no-brainer. Rebellious people rebel against God, to which you're like, uh, okay, I'll go with you there. Now, when I read this, does this bring to mind anyone that you know, like rebell a rebellious person? In fact, pull out your phones. I want you to text yourself. Don't text them. Text yourself. I want you to text yourself that per the person's name to yourself. Nobody's moving. Come on. There, there we go. Yeah. <clears throat> now, because the whole point of this, of this is, because in general, when I think about, when I read those verses about the people that are, you know, lying and the people that are cheating, the people that are arrogant, the people that are like all the bad things, you usually think about other people. But the whole point of this text is it's really you. All right, so you've got the person in your phone, right? And so here's the part I want you, I want you to do, because there's something in the Bible, you know, before you, you know, call out the sin of somebody else, remove the plank out of your own eye. Remember that part? All right, we, we, you, know, you can delete that from your me version Bible. Um, all right, now watch this, right? So what I want you to do is when it comes to this person, there's, I mean, I've, we've been saying this all three weeks, I guess, of this series, is that what happens, what you don't like about somebody else is usually a thing that you don't like about yourself, okay? So with that person that you have, what is the thing that you get really irritated about them about? And that's the thing in you that you need to fix because that's the thing of the rebelliousness in your heart that makes you go, gosh, they're just so arrogant. I mean, all they do is talk about themselves when they should be talking about me. Isn't that what happens? Isn't that what happens? You get irritated when the person goes, yada, 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 and then you're like, when are we going to start talking about anything I care about? Oh, man, I just I had to deal with that guy. just wouldn't shut his trap, couldn't handle it. He just talked about himself the whole time. And then all of a sudden he comes out, oh, that's in you. That's in you. When you judge other people, what they drive or where they live or their clothes, you're just like, Oh, you have a materialist issue. It's, it's, just, it's just part of it. it. Whatever it is 
that you see in other people is the thing that God's wanting you to work on yourself. Because that's how you get to a place where you can love people and not put yourself above people. Love them, not above them, okay? Oh, that was, hey, someone write that down. Love them, not above them. Tweet it. All right. <laughs> All right, but here's why. Now, this is the thing where you're like, well, Chris, I think in that part of the Bible, they're probably talking about not Christians because Christians kind of have it together. I mean, I've seen some, some bad non-Christian people, but listen, Chris, I'm not really that bad. First John 1 John 1.8, if we say we don't sin, we deceive ourselves, truth is not in us, yourself deceived. But I'll go there with you. But here's, here's what I want you to read. Watch this, the Christians, right? This is Paul. He wrote almost half of the New Testament, okay? So this guy is kind of on the godly side of things. And this is what he said about his own heart, okay? He's all, he also wrote the Romans 3 part. He's here in the Romans 7. This is the same letter. <clears throat> I don't understand my own actions. Has any ever, anybody ever been there? For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I keep. I do not do the, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Okay. Now, this is, again, another shocker. Save people, rebel against God. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We are self-deceived. This is the part where I feel like a lot of Christians, we sit here... And you do this really well on social media, by the way, where you take your awesomeness uh, that, and then you like to display your awesomeness and then call out the rest of the world's stuff, which I, listen, there's a part of where like a lot of the world needs to be called out because they're in darkness. But the problem is (coughs) if you do it from a place where I am above it all, it does not come off loving. It comes off what? Like a, like the guy who just dinged the car and goes, what? It happens. Get over it. I mean, seriously, you're in a parking lot. Things are going to happen. I feel like that's how a lot of us as Christians sort of live our lives, all right? Um, And I I was trying to kind of, you know, because listen, I'm a pastor, and so this is the part where, like, even pastors have dark moments. You guys know that? I know. Not my pastor. No, especially your pastor, okay? It's like, (laughs) like, listen, um, in fact, I asked uh, my oldest son, Austin, we were at dinner. I was like, you know, I'm trying to come up with a, Something to, you know, share with, you know, the, the church, something I've done wrong. Can you think of anything? He just goes, Rrr. I mean, it's just like, I was like, okay, all right, slow down, all right, that's enough. It has to be funny. Uh, and, all right, so I, it, it, this was one of the list. I mean, it, it was like an unending list. I was like, man, all right, you guys are really keeping score over here. Uh, so on, um, on Christmas, uh, uh, the oldest two boys got electric scooters from uh and they were all excited, and the, the primary thing about electric scooters, you have to charge them for like 24 hours before you can use them, okay? That's like the thing. And I said, do not use the scooter until I get it together. That will be a problem, all right? And so, of course, um, so that Christmas was on Saturday, and Sunday was church, and so we were getting ready, and then Adrian, for some reason, thought it would be a good idea to take the, have them take out the scooters and, uh, and before church happens. 
And then they come back, and it's broken, and I, like, lose it. I said, I told you. And I, I gave them the lecture of, like, I told you. You should have waited for me because I will not screw that up. I know what I'm doing. And I went on and on and on and on and on. And, um, and Andrew's like, well, I actually told them. Well, why'd you tell them that? Well, let me have, let me have a lecture with you now about how you should just really... <laughs> And Austin goes, remember that? And I go, no, I don't really remember that really at all, no. <laughs> this is why I love the Bible, and this is why I love Jesus. This is Paul writing, because the guy that wrote the Bible, wretched man that I am, this is me. Who will deliver me from this body of death? If it ended there, it would just be like, yep, hopeless. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That is why we sing the song. It's because of this statement here. And I want to show you just how great he loved us in spite of us. This is back to Romans 5. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So you, sinner, you person that was far from God, is far from God, don't care about God, I don't even want to, not, not on my agenda, not, not on the plan, don't care, stay away, keep your God stuff in your section, I'll be over here. For one, watch this, he died for that person. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. I love this, it's like, you can hear Paul going like, well... Maybe for a righteous person, someone might die. Okay, I'll give you that one. Um, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. No, no, I want, I mean, while we were still sinners, before you got your life together. And I think that this, for me, might be the, what the struggle I think all people have. And this is how you know you're a Christian. Can I just tell you, if you want to know, if you want to like test in yourself, if whenever you have sinned, you run to God, that's a Christian. If you run away, it's questionable. Because you don't know the character of God. You've missed it. You don't know it. You don't know that God loves you. That he, the whole purpose was that he could cover your sin and that you'd run to him in the darkness of your heart. Because since, therefore, we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. He is still alive, ministering before God, always advocating for us. When the enemy says, have you seen how Chris screwed up the fathering thing? And Jesus is like, I got that one. Have you seen how he screwed up the pastoring thing? No, no, I, I got that one. You see how he messed up in his marriage? No, no, I, I got that one. See how he messed up with... And you could probably fill in the blank for all the things that you've jacked up. And he says, I got you. I got you. This is what I do. And so I, I really want us to get to this question. Is will you re repent? Repent is just a churchy word for change your mind. I'm not king anymore. God's king. Uh, one of my favorite... Uh, parables it's like really short and might not even jesus goes um he's like kind of help everyone understand the cost of discipleship he says what king going out to encounter another king 
we'll not sit down first and deliberate and go like, hmm, he's about, I'm able with my 10,000 to meet him with his 20,000. Hmm, so he's got twice the firepower. Looks like we're going to have to come up with terms of surrender. So while the other is a great way off, he sends a delegation, asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. But you're like, what? Until you come to a place where you renounce your own kingship, where you are no longer on the throne, you cannot be his disciple. And that is really, really hard. So when I ask you, will you repent Will you put your heart, your head, your kingdom under his kingdom and say like, hey, terms of peace that he already brokered? Or will you say, uh-uh, this is about me, my kingdom, and I'll go to toe-to-toe with you. Even if it means I spend eternity in hell, I will not give I really want us to kind of grapple with this, and we're going to take uh, the Lord's Supper here in a second. And so if you're like looking around in front of you and underneath the little chair in front of you, grab one of those. Um, If you're not a Christian here, my hope is that you would take this offer really seriously, that Jesus came, he died on the cross, and he rose from the dead for the rebellion of your heart. And that you'd make terms of peace while he's still a long way off. And you simply do that by saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. My thoughts, my words, my actions. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose to the dead. Holy Spirit, come to my heart. Make me the person you want me to be. But if you are a Christian, there has been probably a tendency for you to kind of go down more of this and less of this. I feel like what happens when we talk about repentance, you're like, I did that already. I was eight. I'm good. Check. And the, the, the Christian life, <laughs> FYI, doesn't end at eight years old. But I feel like a lot of us haven't graduated from elementary school faith. We, we, are, we are living with, you know, with all sorts of degrees and doing really great jobs, but our faith is still stuck in eighth, as an eight-year-old. And I wonder what happened. Because maybe there was like, once you got the freedom of that grace, you're like, well, that's it. No, no. The depth of that grace is incredible, and it constantly is renewed waves of mercy every day, but we don't access it because we never thought to access it. And so, Christian, what are you doing? You have all this goodness, all this joy, and we choose grumpiness over the gospel. We choose to kind of cross our arms and just be angry at stuff because why not? It makes me feel better about me for a little bit, and I can just blame the world for all the issues I'm facing as opposed to going, look at who this God is. Wow. You just became your own king again to surrender to the one who is. So, th- so this morning, I really want us to wrestle with that. 
And we're going to do something before we take communion. I want to take 30 seconds. We're going to do a quick 30 seconds. And if you're not a Christian, this might be a time where you just close your eyes like, Jesus, save me. There's no magic words that make you a Christian. It's just a, this word where you repent and say, you're king, I'm not. I believe you died. I believe you rose. If you are a Christian, this is a time to just all the, the, the muck that's sort of built up on you for the past week. Lay it back at the foot of the cross. Jesus do his job and stop trying to be American. Give you 30 seconds. When Jesus was on the cross, he looked over at the thief and said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. I'm hoping that that's what's going to happen this morning. But the night before he went on that cross, Jesus took bread and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take it. since the get-go, and the reason why um, stuff happens, murder happens, hatred happens, is because it's in there. And God, I pray that you would just get it out with all your love and your grace and your joy and your peace. Father, praying for somebody who doesn't know you today, that they would simply turn from their sin and say, Jesus, you're it. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. Holy Spirit, come to my life and make me the person you want me to be. I can do it. And Lord, I'm praying for everybody else here to just really fully wrap their head around the hope that they have in you, Jesus, that your goodness and that your love and your grace would fill us with your peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Imagine just for a second what would happen if we had a heart of repentance as opposed to continue to rebel because even perfect people rebel rebellious people rebel saved people rebel we're all rebelling but what would happen if we just were a people who said I'm going to repent and I'm going to come back and I'm going to make right the things that I've been broken with and all of a sudden the, your family our work dynamic the people that we interact with wouldn't just sort of feel like we're the guy that dinged the door and just walked off said get used to it what if we were the people trusted in him, that even when we started to make things right, we owned our own stuff, 
that he would have our back and we wouldn't just be a world doormat, but we would be his servant for life, fully in his family. He would change you. He would change this church. It would change that city if we acted like that. Did you receive the benediction? Go. Go and be a people who are loved by God. Go and be a people who are full faith in his goodness and his mercy to go and love others the way that God has loved us. Go and push back the darkness and have an awesome week of worship. You are sent.